So tonight's a message, a new message for me. Not, it's almost not possible for me to do a new subject, but some I haven't done before, subject-wise, but this is a new message for me from scratch. And the text is new, Proverbs 25, 11 through 12. I have never used that as a jumping point. This is about, do we need rebuke sometimes? Now, you may say it's not a very popular message, but this is one of the most important messages. Let me say this over and over again. It's one of the most important messages you'll hear all year long. Uh, when I had, uh, we would have, t I have, I've made a lot of mistakes as administrator of the school. I mean, if you, if you never make a mistake, you never moved anywhere, never tried anything, never did anything. You learn from your mistakes. And one, one mistake I made early on was I would have my teacher's meetings at 7.30 in the morning. And all, what I realized is teachers are grouchy at 7.30 in the morning. I mean, they won't even crack a smile. And that's, you know why that is? Because they're facing a day of complexity with their curriculum and with their kids and, and, and they're wanting to get at it and wanting to get there and prepare and get their mind right about it and everything. So, but I wanted to spend, you know, 30 minutes with them and have them, we memorize scriptures. Well, I, I, I did not get received well by them. And uh, Boucher and I honestly couldn't figure out what was going on. We just thought, boy, I mean, they were just not, they weren't civil really very much, very well. And so um, we gave them scriptures to memorize. We gave, this did not help. But we gave them a bunch of scriptures to memorize and then quote to us at 7.30 in the morning about how to receive rebuke and instruction and reproof. Again, that did not go well. And... Uh, I decided, I, I was praying, we both were praying about it. Both Brother Boucher and I were praying about it. We said, what is wrong with this? These teachers are much better people than this. And so we, I finally said, I believe I'm going to try to have it after school. You wouldn't even believe. It's like, it's like they got saved between 7.30 and 3.30. I mean, like it's, at 3.30, their smiles and they're laughing among each themselves. And they're, you know how it is. And, you know, it's just a, it's a very light, airy atmosphere. And you can tell them hard stuff. They don't care. Day's over. You can't hurt me. But anyway, uh, so, you, you know, we get, and they were more creative, and it was, just a, it was just a great thing. But you cannot improve as a human being if you will not receive rebuke. And I'm going to define it in four terms tonight as the Bible does. Only wise people truly understand the value of a good rebuke. We're living in a day <coughs> of perversion. Would you not agree? Perversion in every direction. The politically correct movement is a perverted movement. And, and we, we have been raised, uh, and 20, 25 years ago, psychologists uh, child psychologist stuff came up with articles, and I read them, how uh, the problem with the world is we spank our kids, it, and because it, it, it creates them to be violent by spanking them. And so we need to start rewarding them, and, and positive, positive, positive. Take them in a room and say, I, I was over at a woman's house, this kid was just an absolute terror, and just wouldn't let us talk. 
And, and it was just, he just, finally he just threw a fit in the middle of the floor. I think he had a demon myself. That was my opinion. But she just grabbed him and said, I love you. I love you. And he, he kept saying, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And she just tried to overcome by, I love you. I love you. I love you. And he kept saying, I hate you. And he was hitting her. Well, I was just about ready to take control of that deal. You could have visited me over in the big house. But uh, I just, man, I was at my just paper thin on that one. I thought, I'm in the name of Jesus, depart from him, you know. Um, boy, oh boy, that kid was a... And so um, the word tantrum comes from a Hindu. It has to do with demon possession, throwing a tantrum. Look it up. Anyway, um, you got a person that's wise understands that if your parents spanked you and disciplined you and corrected you and instructed you uh, and they're alive, thank them. Thank them. Thank them for it. Because I can tell you from a parent's point of view, it wasn't fun. It's not something you want to do. You don't birth kids to whip them. I know that's hard to believe for these people with two little girls. They probably feel bad about it. I had uh, Angie Moon call me up with, I told you this before about Micah, and she's crying. Angie Moon's a teacher. She's a good teacher. She's uh, experienced. She wasn't young. She was in her 30s. And she was, had Micah, and she said, I, Preacher, I'm doing something wrong. I had to spank him 10 times today, and he's still being misbehaving. I said, you are doing something wrong. They're not hard enough. I said, you spank him to where he never wants to see you walk in the room with that paddle again, and he, you won't have spank him multiple times. Oh, she cried again. Oh, I birthed this child and whipped him. I said, absolutely. Unless you want him to go to jail for the rest of his life or, or be a statistic. Or, I mean, because if you don't, if somebody doesn't help him realize what's right and wrong, the old nature will help him. And you know where that's going to go. Every man's right in their own eyes. Oh, well, my little child would never lie. I've actually had a parent tell me that. Can you even believe you come to the place as a parent where you will tell an administrator of a school, any school, that your child would never lie? Your child is a low-down, no-good liar. Just like you are. And just like I am, we of our own nature are liars. Do you not read the Bible? Right? This is a Christian school. These people are supposed to be somewhat understanding of what a Christian is. What right and wrong is. So, cor correction, if I may, and these are obvious things, right? Correction is not pleasant. It's not pleasant. It's not pleasant for the one correcting it's not pleasant for the one getting corrected. But it is essential. It is essential for your success and your, your help. You say, well, it's too negative. you got to have it. You have to have it. Um, telling the truth about someone to improve them is vital. I don't think anybody's exempt from correction or rebuke. We need it because we're right in our own eyes. Proverbs chapter 14, Proverbs chapter 16 uh, repeats itself where it says, uh, we're right in our own eyes. We do not see our faults clearly. Have you ever been rebuked or corrected or instructed and it hurt your feelings? Of course it did. What is being hurt? 
What's being hurt? What part of you is being hurt? Your pride. That's that thing telling you they don't know what they're talking about. They have no idea. They didn't do that. They're not qualified to correct me. And there's a hundred different justifications. Uh, our brother down the front here is a police officer for years. He meant hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them like that. They thought they were above the law. And if you don't correct them, eventually guys like him have to come and use a little bit stronger force, cuff them and stuff them, to correct them. Because they were never corrected when they were small. Never got to appreciate authority. And consequently, a higher authority has to come in and, and correct them and help them. So we stumble over our pride. We refuse to imagine that we're wrong or, this, you know, it could be wrong. Proverbs, let's read the text. Proverbs 25, 11, 12. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Now, I've never had apples of gold and pitchers of silver because I couldn't afford a pitcher of silver or the apple of gold. But it must look good. Must look good. Put those two together, must look good. Apples of gold. Uh, Angie Moon, by the way, got a, at the school she's teaching up there, she got a golden apple award. And I, I had to put in uh, Facebook, uh, we never gave out golden apples, we never could afford them. But anyways, uh, we had <laughs> tarnished apples. But anyway, but listen to the next verse. And an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so was a wise reprover, Upon an obedient ear, a wise reprover, the voice of a wise reprover upon an obedient ear. That's what you want to be, either if you're the reprover or if you're the obedient ear. Man, that's where to be. That's good. The terms rebuke, reproof, correction, and instruction really are synonyms of each other, saying very, very close to similar things. All really do the one thing is to try to get us better, try to improve us, um, I mean, you just got to have it. I told you a story over and over about a kid I roomed with. Bob Jones had a small room when I went to college. There were five of us in a very small room, and one kid came from out back in the country, you know, where they did, he didn't bathe. His evidently family didn't bathe. He didn't bathe. Uh, they didn't wear deodorant. No, he never had worn deodorant. Nobody in his family wore deodorant. They didn't know about deodorant. You say, are there people like that? Yes. And so you know what the problem was. I mean, he stank, stank, stunk. And, I mean, we had four of us in the room that showered and wore deodorant and, you know, smelly stuff, tried and washed our clothes and stuff on a regular basis. Tried to, we tried not to be rude to each other. You know, you're staying in a real tight environment there. And so this boy resisted correction. And we started gentle, and we got a little bit more serious where we said we were going to, all four of us, going to grab him, take him down to the shower, and then we were going to scrub him with a brush. He decided maybe he should shower. And then we got deodorant and bought him some. We said, you're going to wear this deodorant. Like it or don't like it, you're going to put this stuff on because we're not going to live with you. And, you know, we were, we were probably the best friends that boy ever had. And we weren't very nice. And we weren't very politically correct. And we weren't very gentle. By the way, gentleness, come on, sometimes... You don't need gentleness. Amen? That boy didn't need all. Oh, now, come on, son. You need, no, he needed somebody to rough him up some. We did. And we helped him. By the way, at the end of the year, he was our best buddy. He loved us, man. He, we did stuff together. And we, that's because he was a wise man. He was a wise man. 
He knew that he needed that. Later on, he said, I never even knew that. I never even knew that you guys existed. I said, okay, we didn't know you existed either. But, uh, I mean, you know, I've had some people stay with me uh, from Haiti that were the same way, and I had to help them and correct them. And let me tell you, they didn't appreciate it, but it helped them ultimately. I had a member of Gospel Baptist Church came in here and would sit down and had, have you ever worn tennis shoes wet and, and then just keep wearing them wet? I mean, there's some things that smell bad, but old, wet tennis shoes that have been worn over and over and over and sweat in without socks are some, like, roadkill. I smell like roadkill to me. And this person came in, and when this person was set down, all of a sudden you, you, got, you got burden to move. Move back, move forward, move over. And she would, she wouldn't. Oh, I gave away that it was a she, didn't I? She, this person wouldn't have settled for being alone. Would hunt other people up and sit beside them. And then pretty soon that would, the air was heavy around them shoes. Well, you know who got the job to fix that, don't you? All you brave souls out there came to me and said, I, I want uh, you to, and Pastor, to correct this because this is awful. And so then I went home and said, Kathy, fix it. I said, Kathy, it won't be right for me as a man to confront her on this. I had that going for me. Well, it was thin. It was thin. But she said, why do I have to do it? I says, it's just right. The Bible says obey your husbands under the Lord. Do it. <laughs> it can't all be roses. <laughs> and so I, I've had to correct folks about bad breath. It's not easy to go tell somebody your breath will stop a train in a full go. Your travel, you'll stop a bull in a full run. But I have had some, especially school teachers, that are getting, have you ever had a school, you all been in school. You ever had a school teacher bend down to help you on a test and say, now what can I do for you? And you're like, I don't know, right now I'm seeing stars. I mean, their breath is so bad, they could peel paint. I mean, they, they, and by the way, when you got bad breath, you don't even know it. You know, that's God's mercy on the skunk. He don't even smell himself. And so, you know, it's just God's mercy. You don't know. And so what I do is I try to tell our teachers, assume that you have, first of all, we make a special allowance for them to go to the dentist. We give them 800 bucks a year cash. If, if they'll go, we'll pay for it. And we'll make sure you get your teeth all cleaned and you get your cavities all filled and you get your crowns all done because that's the essence. And then, and then, and then assume that your breath is bad even in spite of all that work and, and do a little, um, you know, mints or a little spray or something if you're going to be in close contact with somebody. You know, if you're going to be out there coaching soccer, don't worry about it. But if you're soccer, what in the world? We don't even play soccer. You're going to be coaching football, flag football. You don't worry about it. So I've had to do that. I've had to deal with girls that came here in sensual clothing, you know, midriff and low and tight and up and down and, and I, I don't do it. I go Kathy on the girls and say, Kathy, that's your job. She loves that. But I've had to do that. I, usually, I'm going to tell you what, I've, I, I've dealt with language issues where people, 
we, you know, we have some coaches once in a while. Uh, you know, they, they were, they're saved, but they weren't totally sanctified. They'd cuss once in a while. Cuss the children, you know. <laughs> At a Christian school. I say, I'd bring them in. I say, you know, I love you, brother. Thank you. Thank you for helping us. But you just can't say ba 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 to the kid. You just can't do it. Because if you do that, you know, it's going to go home and you know, it's, it's, it's going to give me a lot of trouble. Went home and it's going to give me a lot of trouble. And they'd be like, oh man, you know, I come from a cussing background and, and so do I. And uh, I, I, it's not easy, boy. If you catch me in a weak moment, I don't know. The old nature is alive and well on planet Earth. And so you hate yourself, but you want to say, I had to correct those things. You have to correct all that stuff. It's a constant, regular thing that you have to keep doing. You're rebuking and you're reproving and you're correcting and you're instructing. It's not fun. Very hard to do. Usually not well received. Oh, oh even a wise person. Let me just say this. A wise person don't appreciate getting corrected. They know they need it. But the ego and who you are just isn't, it's not a happy moment in your time. I'll say some English, I'll have English trouble once. I'll say something grammatically wrong or, you know, when preaching. Up here and people afterwards, you know, that are good in, people that are really good in English are tough folks. And they'll come to you sometime, they'll say, now, preacher, da, 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 da. And I'll say, yeah, you're right. I'll try to do better. I had Chris Powell, which was very good in English, a lawyer, and he was really good at grammar and English. And, and when I was really rough around the edges early on, and uh, he would say, I used to say, et cetera, et cetera. And I know most people don't even care, but he did. He'd say, preacher, it's et cetera, et cetera. But that bugged him to death. If he was alive, I'd say, brother, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But thank you. I never make that mistake anymore. That got in me. That got in me after his fourth or fifth time of correcting me on that. And, and, uh, and stuff like that. But you say, praise God, those people, were, those people loved you. They were trying to do good. Uh, the Bible says when people receive correction, they, they, sometimes they hate it. Sometimes they despise it, Proverbs 5.12. Sometimes they're just rejected, Proverbs 17.10. Sometimes it's scorn. If you are given the you know, responsibility of God to help somebody out in this area, don't expect it to be a real, oh, thank you so much for doing that. It's not going to. You and I, however, cannot get better with some good old-fashioned negative criticism and... Uh, targeted on improving us. Uh, Proverbs uh, chapter 1, if you would look that up in the Bible, if you have your Bible with you, an electronic Bible. Uh, Proverbs chapter 1 is probably one of the most fabulously clear, uh, powerful passages of how God is looking out for us in this area. He starts right out with the words, turn you at my reproof. A lot of what this book is a lot of what this book is, is to help us in an area of correction, reproving us. I don't know about you, but when I read through this book, and I know about you really, you read through this book and you know God's, oh, I got to do better there. I got to do better. It's reproving me. It's reproving my soul. I need better. He says, turn you, Shemire, turn you. When you read it and the Holy Spirit says it, or, or somebody helps you, and the Spirit says, that's right, turn. Don't harden up. Don't bow up. Well, that's the way I've done it for 45 years. Don't bow yourself up. 
Say, man, God's going to try to help me here. Behold, I will pour out my spirit unto you. I'll make known my words unto you. That's what God feels about people who receive reproof. Man, I need his spirit. I need the fullness of the spirit. I need to be filled with the spirit. I need every decision I make to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. I need his wisdom, his, his comfort, his understanding. Uh, you and I need the Holy Spirit. One way to get it is to turn it to reproof he gives you. Because I have called, he said, you refused, who he's talking to, you stretched out my hand, no man regarded. You said it not, all my counsel. Basically, you argued it away. And with none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity and will mock when your fear cometh. When your fear cometh as desolation, your destruction cometh as a whirlwind. When distress and anguish cometh upon you, oh, 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 then you should call on me, upon me, but I will not answer. They shall seek me. The word early can also mean diligently, but they shall not find me. Why? They hated knowledge, not choose the fear of the Lord. That's understanding his presence. They would none of my counsel. They despised all my reproof. So it's important that we do not harden up against God's reproof. It's important that we stay tender. I believe one of the very ma most major, after you get saved, God is growing you. And like a parent, he's helping you understand what it means to be godly or like him. And so we're a long, long way from that. And so there's a lot of distance to be covered. And here, if you take your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 17, a well, well-known scripture, uh, a memorized scripture. I've memorized, quoted many, many times. You've heard it. But you want to make sure you know about it. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture, how much? All, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. First thing he mentions is doctrine. That's a positive thing. That's positive. He says doctrine is teaching. Doctrine is I'm going to tell you uh, who I am and who you are, and I'm going to give you instruction on how to be victorious in Christ and how to live, my li how to live the life of Christ and how to end well, how to receive a reward in heaven, uh, how to be pleasing, how, how, how to overcome fear and anger and sins of all kinds. I'm going to teach you how to do all that. That's doctrine. But the next three are negative. I think it's interesting. For it's profitable for doctrine, which is positive. But he, goes, he says for reproof, for correction, for instruction. Reproof, a synonym of that is reprimand. Correction, a synonym of that is change that rectifies. Instruction, a synonym of that is directive. He's going to direct you into a particular way to go. In what? In righteousness. So he's going to teach you, to, uh, he's going to reprove you, he's going to correct you, he's going to instruct you, and I, in righteousness, right living. Why? That you can be complete or perfect, really. Complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And that's big. That's really big. Right in front of our eyes, in one of the main verses of Scripture, he gives three out of four things that the Scripture is aiming at are negative. So don't you get mad. Now, I know you can be too negative. Hey, come on. We can be too negative. Everything's negative, you know. We need rain, so we pray for rain. It rains. Somebody comes in, oh, it's raining. Oh, come on. Thank God it's raining, right? We got to have, you got to have cloudy days to appreciate sunshine days. That's what I told 
Ernie Leonard when I call him this afternoon up in Bismarck. You know, you got to have those cold days, appreciate when he comes up. Let me tell you, Ernie Leonard and them boys up there in the snow right now are appreciating Florida. Oh, they do. Now, if you've been born and raised here, you surely do not have an appreciation like they do. Uh, they've been corrected by that snow. They have, uh, they, have, they have a feel for what it's like. Boy, I got reviewed on that myself last year. Though praise is necessary, valuable, without correction, it, it just creates. What does it create? What does all praise and no correction or no reproof or no rebuke create? It creates an egocentric, spoiled, politically correct marshmallow of a person. Filled with flaws that they assume are completely fine. But because we're born sinners, Bible man, you know, Romans 3 talks about who we are without God. And I mean, it's not pretty. It is not pretty. It's a description of harsh words. And we deeply need correction because of who we are without Christ. Because those things will get a grip on us and harden us in sin. There's such a thing as being hardened in the wrong way. Get hardened in what's wrong. But you say, well, preacher, doesn't it hurt self-image to have correction and reproof and rebuke? Does it hurt our self-image? Well, can I show you a passage that the Bible, uh, the Bible says a lot about self-image, but let me, let me give you the main, one of the main passages about a self-image um, and it's in Ezekiel. Ezekiel. Go to Ezekiel chapter 36, if you would. Verse 31. Who in the Bible did God think a lot of? Or who did he think a lot of? We know he thought a lot of David. You know? And really, if I may say this, he thought a lot of Saul. He did. He picked Saul. God picked Saul. But when, when Saul failed and when David failed, he brought up to them that when they had been little in their own sight, they were okay. But they got mature and they got older and they got used to the system and they began to ignore the rebukes and the reproofs and the corrections that God had for them. And David did what he did and Saul did what he did. But he said, when you were little in your own sight, you were doing good because you were dependent upon me and sensitive to criticism and open to change. And God said, I could do something. I could help you. He talks about, if you want to go back later on and read the context of chapter 36, you're more than welcome to. He told these people in Ezekiel that he would restore them and he said in verse 31, Then shall ye remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good. And this is the part coming up here is what I think it really impacted me. And shall loathe, loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and your abomination. Now God is talking about that in a positive way. He's talking about that in a positive way, not a negative way. You say, preacher, I've been told by psychologists that you're supposed to love yourself. You're supposed to look in the mirror and say, I am great. I am good. I am ugly. I mean, uh, 
You're supposed to, you're supposed to look here and just, why? Negative's down. It's a downer. It's bad. It's hurtful. Well, God don't say that. Man may say that. And you think, who knows man more than God knows? He made you. He knows your psyche. And he knows that when we look into ourselves and we see a sinner unable to save himself by any good works because we can't even do good works without God, and, and we see ourselves as, as, when I say sinner, that's those, those 49 different sins listed in the Bible. And, and we see ourselves that way, and we see that we see ourselves as, as prone to wander, and we don't see ourselves as prone to be good, but we see ourselves prone to be bad, and we begin to loathe ourselves. I hate myself. That part of me. The evil part of me. The sinful part of me. It wants to hurt people, take from them, con them, hurt them in every kind of way. I hate that. He says, oh, that's good. That's good. Because I can help you. I can help you. I can replace all that with forgiveness in my spirit. And even as a Christian, the other day I thought of something and it was just wrong to think about it. It was just wrong. Now, I'm, I'm a ways down the road as a Christian. And I've been in the Bible above average as a Christian. And I, after I thought that, the Holy Spirit said, what in the world? And I said, what in the world? And who was I talking to? Well, I thought, I... What? what? That is wrong. That is wicked. That is evil. And I'm 67 years old, and I shouldn't even be having that problem. But then I get thinking of what Paul said about himself in Romans chapter 7. Oh, wretched man that I am, Paul the great apostle, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thought, well, Paul, I agree with you on that. That's the last verse of the seventh chapter. I agree with you on that. And in the name of Jesus, I denounce that thinking. I loathe myself. That's what he's talking about here. And God the Holy Spirit is well pleased when you recognize that. Why? It's like when your kid lies. If your kid don't understand how bad lying is, they'll do it. But what will lying do for your kid in the big picture? Destroy them. Destroy them. My mom used to say to try to drill this in my conscience, I'd rather have you dead. This is the woman who birthed me. I'd rather have you dead than a liar. And she'd look me in the eye. Boy, my mom had a way of ripping, ripping you up. I'd rather have you dead, son, than a liar. Because, you know, I'd, I'd lie. I mean, as a kid growing up, I lied about stuff. Has Mason lied yet? Is Barrows here at all? Barrows, you here? Hey, Barrows, come on in. I feel better about it. Has Mason lied yet? Has he? I can't imagine it took it taken after your wife, huh? 
He's not two. Is he two yet? Oh, come on. Nobody taught him to do that. That man did not teach that boy to lie. That woman did not teach that boy to lie. They know how bad it is to lie. They know that'll just ruin his life. That little two-year-old, I bet before he was two, he probably created some sort of story. He had the uh, Phillips, they went, the teachers went to their meeting and they had the, the Phillips, I didn't know this, but the Phillips had their two children babysat by Barrows. So that's four kids. That's a baby, that's Wheel, and that's the two girls. Now, how young is your oldest, or your youngest? Three. Okay, that's a big age brand. So you got birth, a few months old, two years old, three years old, and, and how old is your oldest? Four. Okay, so I said to Chris, how was it? He said, my kid was the worst. I said, really? He said, yeah. He said, they wanted to get his toys, man. And they just ran roughshod over the top of him because they're bigger than he is and just grabbed all his toys and felled all of them and put them in their mouth and did everything. Now, I, I'm adding that. I'm not adding the fact that they, they, they went for his toys. But he said, well, he's not used to anybody getting his toys. That's who we are. That's who we are. We need some correction. Don't you get mad at the preacher when he gets up here and preaches an, a sermon that's a corrective sermon or reproving sermon or rebuking sermon. Paul told Timothy, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That was the last words to Timothy. Two negatives, one positive. So two-thirds what he told Timothy to do is going to be negative and one-third positive. Here, one-quarter positive and 2 Timothy 3.16. One quarter positive, three quarters negative. Don't you believe the psychological movement? They don't have authority to spit in the wind. Half them psychologists never raised a decent kid. But brother, there's been a lot of children raised under the Bible. And the Bible will help you raise, raise a kid. Now, a child still may decide to be bad and do whatever they want to do because of free will. Of man, absolutely. But you've done everything you know to do. Troy, if he had turned, if he had turned out to be a liar, I could have uh, said, you know what? I did everything besides kill him. I did everything that I could to stop him from lying. Do you, do, you, do you understand what rebuke is when it comes? If you're wise, you may not like it, because no chastisement for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. And, uh, you, but you want to think about it soberly. Proverbs 13, 18, I'll quit. Poverty and shame shall be to him that refuses instruction, but he that regardeth reproof shall be honored. Proverbs 15, 5 says, a, foolish, a fool despiseth his father's instruction, but he that regardeth reproof is prudent. Proverbs 15.31 says, The ear that heareth reproof of life abideth among the wise. Ultimately, after the reproof and the rebuke and the exhortation and the correction and instruction, you will be more, you'll be a better person. And in the spiritual realm of it, you'll be more like Christ. Now, I think it's going to be wonderful to go to heaven and not have that happen anymore. 
That will be something I'm not going to miss, is the rebuke and the correction. What happened the other day to me? I did not like that. I didn't like that. The Bible says in Proverbs 28, 23, He that rebuketh the man afterwards finds more favor than he that flatters with the tongue. Now, the modern church movement are out there saying, I'm telling you, this is, I get around church seminars. They send me information on seminars. You can, you can grow your church, and this is the way you're going to grow your church. And the people today aren't like the people of yesterday, and you'll never grow a church the way they've been doing it. You've got to do it our way, and that's the kind of stuff you get. You get bombarded with that stuff. And it's what it, what's their advice? Cut the negative. Cut talking about sin. Cut talking about neg negative terminology like evil, wicked. And talk about all the good. Talk about your position in Christ. And list all the good, heaven. And talk about all the... There's a great positive section of the Bible, no doubt about it. But if you leave out that negative, you're not going to enjoy the positive. You won't. Because you're, not, you're refusing the whole counsel of God. Remember Proverbs chapter 1? And when you refuse the whole counsel of God, you cannot prosper. So we take it in balance of the positive and the negative. And we balance it together because we want to be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Father, thank you tonight for your kindnesses and mercies to us. Thank you for the Bible. It holds us in good stead. Thank you for the balance of the Bible. Thank you for looking out for us and correcting us. Lord, Lord God, save us from evil. Save us from ourselves. Save us from the old nature. Create in us a clean heart and a right spirit. May the words of our mouth and the very meditations of our heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Lord God, may we say and think and do those things in a tender spirit of willing, a willingness to be corrected. Lord Jesus, help us to have that by the Holy Spirit. There could be some folks in this room that have maybe even this week resented some correction that's come along your way. Don't do it. Don't do it. Thank God for that he cares about you enough to help you. Lord Jesus, help us have a tender spirit. If you're here without Christ, your personal Savior, we'd always, always love to talk to you about it and show you what it means to be saved, have your sins forgiven in Christ. Oh, please take the time to see myself, Brother Chris, others in this room, and we'd love to share the gospel with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.